in a lot of cases, you want to build an ecosystem of games in which you can um, share assets in between games. So you buy something on one game, so you can utilize that in another game. So today, if you want to do that, it's a pretty complicated process between two game developers. It's complicated even if they're in the same company because you need to plan what would the process look like and plan for an integration and open APIs and set up the rules for that. What is happening in Web3 right now? And did it just get way more connected to your marketing campaigns? Hello and welcome to Growth Masterminds. My name is John Kutzir. I haven't talked a lot about Web3 on this podcast in the past year. In fact, I can't remember when I last did. Like every other technology, Web3 lives somewhere on the hype cycle. It was high in previous years, not so high right now. But I just did some checking. You know, I do some research occasionally. According to Crunchbase, there are still almost 23,000 companies in the space with $91 billion of funding and 95 current unicorns in Web3. Funding is down since 2021, but maybe, maybe we're in a build phase right now. And maybe there's also new ways of connecting blockchain and marketing closer than ever before. To chat, we have Asaf Nadler. He's the CEO of Addressable. Welcome, Asaf. How are you? I'm great, John. Thank you for having me today. Super pumped to have you. Uh, thank you for taking the time. I know it's a little late in your day in Tel Aviv or thereabouts, and it's a little early in my day, but it is all good. We're going to chat about integration between Singular and Aggressible later, and we're going to talk about what it is, how it works, and why we did it, and what it actually delivers to people. But before we get there, maybe let's take a big picture. Let's zoom out a little bit. Where are we in Web3 and blockchain? What's happening? So a lot of is happening with Web3 and blockchain. Uh, over the past uh, um, two years, I've been chatting to a lot of people dealing in Web3, specifically with marketers. And I think that what I'm seeing is that blockchain as a technology um, to serve as a, as a distributed database to capture all of the data, analyze that, and being able to do lots of things without it, that's fascinating. We've seen the industry growing. Um, it's... It's sometimes slow, but I think it's it's picking up very, very well at the moment. We're seeing a lot of good things happening with uh, financial uh, institutions and DeFi in particular. We're seeing a lot of good things happening with games and a lot of things are happening with infrastructure. And especially, I think there's a lot of opportunity with data and composability, uh, which is something that we'll probably chat in um, very soon about. It is interesting, right? Because uh, at sort of the, the peak of the hype cycle, 2021, 2022, there were new protocols and uh, coins and games being launched every, every single day. It seems right now that the focus is a lot on infrastructure and pipes to enable applications on top of that. That is that correct? Is that a good assessment or am I missing some things? So I think that initially a lot of the companies that raised capital were looking to um, build infrastructure for consumer applications that would take place later. I think that at the current point in time, we are starting to see more and more consumer apps, um, mainly games, but also DeFi protocols. But a lot of stuff that are reaching out um, to um, the audiences and more and more mainstream audiences to allow them um, to do investment and do financial operations or even play games and enjoy entertainment. I think that we're starting to see more and more consumer apps as time goes by. 
it is interesting when you look at games, right? And that's a big chunk of mobile, obviously. Uh, and it's a big chunk of, of, of where some of the, the value of the integration between singular and addressable will be. But if I look at games and I think of, let's say the one in particular I'm, that I'm playing right now, I've invested maybe it's thousands of hours. Probably. I don't even, <laughs> don't tell my wife. Um, <laughs> in, certainly hundreds of dollars, maybe more than that. Uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm looking at it right now and I'm going like, Hmm, do I want to continue? I, I still enjoy parts of the game parts. I don't enjoy. Right. But if I walk away from that, I walk away from kind of everything I've built up in that space and in that game. Talk about how web three can change that equation a little bit. So I think web three is, is, is tackling this point. Exactly. So when you were thinking about games, these, is these places where we step into the wormhole, enjoying a good time, uh, spending a lot of money. But then um, when we're looking for other things to do, what are we doing with the swords and helmets that, that we bought in the game? So I think the amazing thing about Web3 is that it turns any game into an open economy in which we can take the swords and helmets into other games and make that usable. And I think that's a huge advantage for all sides. I think that from the gamer perspective, it enables you to leverage at least some of the money that you spend it and enjoy with that on other games. I think that from the gaming studio perspective, it enables building an ecosystem and collaborating with other games as well. For instance, rather than planning a very deep integration with other games in the ecosystem and having two engineers meeting with one another, there's this big database that is just open and enables this integration in which one can respect the swords and helmet coming from another game and how these can be leveraged. And that's an open world and opportunity to a world of gaming in which there's composability and different opportunities moving in between games. It's really interesting to think about that, right? Um, because I think that there is some significant value there, especially for publishers, right? So um, I don't think it's ever going to be the case that you have a game and you build up a lot of stuff in there and you could just take out everything and plunk it into another game. There's a different economy going on there. There's, there's a different, maybe it's a different type of game. The, the weapons don't match up. Maybe there are no weapons because it's not that type of game, but I think there's huge opportunity for a game's publisher per se to say, you know what? People age out of games. It happens. We have highly retained users. They use us for years, but eventually, you know, they want something different or something new. We can provide that in our on our platform and we can say, hey, you know what? You made it up to like 99 out of 100 level in this game. We're not going to start you out at zero in this one. You know, we're not going to give you 99 here either, but you can bring some stuff over. There's an exchange rate, whatever. Some things fit, some things don't. But you you, you can have a leg up, and that way you can retain a player in an ecosystem. I can imagine a partnership as well. You mentioned, um, you know, doing some kind of partnership between games, and maybe you're a publisher that only has one game or two games or something, but you can work with others. That's quite interesting, and that makes a ton of sense. Cool. So that's interesting. That's interesting on the gaming side. But you mentioned DeFi as well. What's going on there and what's super interesting there? So I think with DeFi, we're seeing um, um, the crypto surge going over. And crypto is not necessarily Web3, right? But I, I think that with Bitcoin ETFs now being approved, and there's this huge excitement about everybody wanting to get, it, get into crypto, and we're starting seeing the surge. A lot of 
um, um, individuals are asking themselves, how can I step inside of that? And obviously they can call their broker and think about ETFs uh, um, for Bitcoin. But what a lot of them are looking for is going on their mobile apps and finding financial opportunities for themselves, um, be it um, um, getting more yield, trying different investments, um, or, or even lending or doing all sorts of financial applications. And I think this is where we see Web3 thriving with a lot of new mobile apps that are not just infrastructure, but are really bringing Web3 mobile into, into the masses. Is that siren on your side or my side? <laughs> it's on my side. It's on my side. Let me I was wondering. Learn. I can close the window. Yeah. It's, no, don't worry about it. Just stay there. It's all good. Just leave it alone. Just <clears throat> Asaf, you don't. <laughs> you didn't need to leave for that. That was 100% fine. Uh, it just reminded me of um, when I was working for VentureBeat in San Francisco and we were on Market Street and literally every five minutes we hear a siren coming. By. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Okay, so um, there's interesting things happening in the tech. Um, there's interesting possibilities. Chris Dixon, Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z is the American say, Z as I like to say as a Canadian, just released Read, Write, Own. He's still very bullish. You just started reading the book. What are you thinking? So it, it's it's just a start and I don't have an opinion yet. And I'm waiting so mm -hmm. much for the drive back home to go into that. Just finished um, the Elon Musk autobiography where there's a lot of opportunities about his love for blockchain as well and the different opportunities about that. And now starting with Chris Dixon, don't want to ruin anything yet. Waiting to dive into the book and share an opinion about that. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Okay, let's talk about Web3 and mobile. Uh, it's been interesting, right? Because there's been a bit of a disconnect. I mean, Web3 is, is, is Web, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's sort of a roots there. And there's been a lot of, uh, I want to say, Web3 and crypto that has been pretty desktop oriented obviously there's 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 a lot of mobile and mobile apps but there's also been some challenges there right i i personally know somebody who was hit with a a sim swapping attack and and literally lost millions in crypto and some people are, are afraid of what they're doing there they've been kind of disconnected as well in terms of marketing and you're working on fixing that talk about that project yeah so so i think that with what we're doing in Addressable, we've been seeing multiple marketing campaigns over the years, and, and it's clear that with, with anything but Web3, the vast majority of marketing is in mobile, it's not in web. But what we've seen in Web3 was the other way around. We've seen mainly web campaigns for, for games, for DeFi, for any, any other use cases. It was really surprising for us not to see more of that in mobile um, two years ago. And when diving deeper into that, we were asking ourselves, so why why is mobile underrepresented Web3? And I think that what we got to was it was partially about not being able to overcome um, 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 the Apple or Android uh, rules of system about in-app purchases uh, summing out to 30% of, of, mm -hmm. of commissions. And how is that even working for crypto where that was kind of... Um, something that had to be passed. And another thing that had to be passed is the ability to connect your wallet, knowing that a lot of reaches on mobile phones can get your money lost. Um, I think that what we started seeing over the recent months is that mobile developers were able to overcome both of these issues, um, mainly by separating the economy from the app. So 
buying purchases happens on some form of marketplaces that isn't necessarily on the mobile app. It's it's potentially on web, and what you get on the mobile is the action itself, be it um, the game itself or the protocol itself, but not the buying. And with regards to the locking, rather than directly communicating with the wallet, locking into your MetaMask, for instance, what you get is this new notion of account abstraction, which you're using um, your Gmail account or your Twitter account or anything else that you're using. And that's serving as the identity layer, where that's a huge enabler of bringing crypto into the masses. And when these technological advancements made it into uh, mobile, what we started seeing is a surge in, in, in advertising mobile apps for crypto. In fact, we're working with multiple ecosystems and blockchains. Some of them are now reporting that new games that they're investing into are 50% in mobile compared to much, much, much lower numbers that we've seen a year ago. We're really excited about that. Super cool. And yet there's always been this sort of disconnect between data sets that marketers would have vis-a-vis their campaigns, right? Their, their marketing campaigns with Meta, with Google, with any other partner that they might have, Apple search ads or anything like that. And then connecting into blockchain and blockchain really matters. If you're a web three game or a web three app or something like that, you can sense and see the health of your community, the health of your app in real time based on activity on the blockchain. Nothing's happening. <laughs> nobody's playing. Nobody's buying. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's engaging. If people are, the blockchain is growing and you're, you're minting new blocks regularly and, and, and you can see it there. But being able to connect that data set, that distributed data set of your blockchain that's happening in your app or in your game and this data set of marketing, I got all these people from here. What here made this happen? That's been really, really hard. Talk about that problem and what you did to solve it. So that's a, a huge opportunity. So if I'm looking at marketers in Web3 that we're currently speaking to, they, they are either um, Web2 original marketers moving into Web3 and coming with these conceptions of what's working in marketing in general, or ones that are born into this space. And the surprise or, or, or um, um, the element of data in Web3, it's, it's sometimes a game changer for them. So what they're used to as Web2 marketers is that any data that they can use is pretty much limited to the first party data. You're building a mobile app and you don't know anything about the world except if you're buying some sort of reports or enrichments. But you only know what's happening for users as of the moment they step into your app. And only what they do henceforth of this moment, and that's pretty much what you're limited to. So you're launching a new game. You're pretty much blind to everything else when you're doing marketing. When it comes to Web3 marketing, everything is on the blockchain except the identity. So you see everything, but you don't know who anybody is. Everybody is, is written on the blockchain as these wallets. So it's anonymous. It's consistent, but you don't know who's who. And you don't really care. As a marketer, you don't care who's John or who's Asaf. What you want to understand are the market trends. So in a sense, that's a heaven for marketers because you can see everybody. You're not limited to your first party data. You see what everybody are doing with any other business, not just from the moments you launch your apps, but from Genesis, from the beginning of time. And that enables marketers to leverage this data to both understand 
what users are finding about their applications. Are they engaging? Are they spending? But also, are they possibly drifting away to other places? Are there good trends in the market that they should react to? Are there good go-to-markets and new trends and opportunities? And I think that not leveraging this data is missing on a huge advantage. And if you are able to collect this data, which despite being publicly available, it's a lot of data and processing that is not that simple. But if you are able to do that, that's a huge advantage that marketers outside of Web3 aren't capable of enjoying. That is a huge advantage and it is wonderful. And there's another layer of value to unlock. And that layer to unlock is the connection between my marketing data and the conversions, events, engagements that I can see in my blockchain. And that's the thing that Singular and Addressable just did. Talk about that. Yeah, so as we're starting to see the surge with Web3 mobile marketing, what we're seeing is that the funnel, the way that classic marketing funnels look like is a user sees an ad for an application. They click that, they go into the marketplace, perhaps an iOS or Android. They want to install the application. They're engaging with the application. They're logging in using the wallets and ultimately they convert all the blockchains. For instance, they buy a sword or a helmet. That's the example that we used earlier and shift that into the blockchain. So if marketers would be able to see this entire funnel, not just for individual trends, but for everything, they would be able to address key questions such as which campaigns are performing optimally for me, which ones are drawing the, the, the right players, for instance, who draws the whales, or mm -hmm. which campaigns brings higher lifetime value customers. And I'm, as a reminder, because on the blockchain, we're able to see everything, we can estimate the lifetime values of users when they get into the app before they're starting to spend everything because you see the history. And what Addressable and Singular does as, is through the integration and when marketers choose for these two products, when they're using that to share the data in order for you to get the full view of what's happening, surfacing the value, and ultimately optimizing campaigns, which is what Addressable and Singular do when together, and that enables you to really tap into the full data, the marketing funnel from the ad through the marketplace to the app and to the blockchain and optimizing your campaigns, not for app downloads or clicks, but really for blockchain conversions and higher lifetime value. That's a game changer for, for mm -hmm. Web3 advertisers and, and marketers. Absolutely. And it brings Web3 apps to the same level as other apps that have used solutions for years to see what's happening, what's in, who's engaging, who's buying. And they've been able to connect that data over the past years to their marketing campaigns. Now blockchain-based apps, Web3-based apps can do the same um, and, and, and compete on a level footing, essentially. So that's very, very cool. That helps you connect your spend to your results and see what's going on. Um, really, really neat. I want to shift a little bit. We talked about sort of where we are. We talked about this integration that just happened. And I want to shift a little bit to the future. Um, I want to talk a little bit about where you see Web3 going and how you see it penetrating or being used in various different verticals. What do you think is the future? That's a great question. So 
what I'm seeing is that if we're thinking about blockchain and crypto and Web3, um, these words go into the air two weeks, two years ago. Then what t- people would typically think of is the value of Bitcoin or NFTs going wild. They think about these trends that, while being very, very exciting, generated not a lot of noise for the space. I think that where Web3 is headed as this industry is maturing is becoming the data layer behind a lot of applications. And with this shared open data layer, what that enables is a lot of use cases that we discussed earlier. For instance, it allows um, games to have these open economies. It allows you um, to write um, um, the ownership into a specific um, um, database that can later be shared and enjoy these composability. And for that reason, we're seeing a lot of um, DeFi applications, a lot of games, a lot of um, um, developer infrastructure embracing this infrastructure. And as this grows, what that enables is the huge benefits of this um, open database in which you can compose apps very seamlessly without the need for different integration. You can do monetization in a lot of cases, or for instance, games that are thinking about what would be uh, the monetization um, um, protocol or how will that work. That pretty much comes instantly with a lot of uh, Web3 applications. And I think that sending the Web3 and the blockchain from the forefront of NFTs and the value of Bitcoin to the back is a database technology is an open one, a decentralized one that isn't owned by specific entities. That puts this infrastructure in the right spot for mass embracement of consumer apps to build on top and to breach these consumer apps into the mainstream that doesn't need to think about crypto and these core values, but rather enjoy um, apps that can connect together and provide better utilities. You've talked a couple times about composable apps, and you said we'll probably get into that a little later. Unpack that a little bit. Yeah, so with games, for instance, I think that's a very good example. In a lot of cases, you want to build an ecosystem of games in which you can um, share assets in between games. So you buy something on one game, you can utilize that in another game. So today, if you want to do that, it's a pretty complicated process between two game developers. It's complicated even if they're in the same company because you need to plan what would the process look like and plan for an integration and open APIs and set up the rules for that. And then if you want to change them, that's... How heavily to tax that event. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's super complicated for that. And and I think that with the same benefits as, as the world's seen with open source and with shifting into the cloud, one way to think about the blockchain is an open database in which different apps can write um, um, the purchases or or the ownership into this one single place that isn't owned by anybody. And when these assets are written into this database that is publicly available, any other app can read these. So if, for instance, we have two games that are looking to collaborate with one another and, and, and compose what's, what's built into a bigger application, 
Um, so what we'll start seeing is rather than planning an integration, one game is writing the assets into the blockchain, another one reading them to utilize them. And then you can see levels of aggregation in which for multiple games, you want to put together the different assets that are shared. Um, I think that in that sense, Web3 is, is, is a dramatic delivery um, and a dramatic opportunities for building ecosystems of games or financial protocols and other consumer apps as well. Do you see publishers being concerned about adopting an open blockchain solution for their game or app? Because if it's an open blockchain, anybody can access that, have a copy of that database, and always updatable, always updating database, and basically learn an awful lot about their game economy or how their app works and all that stuff for sure and i think that we spoke to to uh quite a quite a few of publishers very uh, um, including mature ones that are even thinking about the risks of what what happens if i take the game economy that is currently working there's economists that have built that uh, for quite a while there's the inflation that we're able to control and there's this flow and now we make that an open economy how is that even going to react um that's a huge risk but i think that with every pioneering technology it it rarely ever starts with the big corporates or big publishers adopting that first it's always about the disruptors about the startups about people that are starting something new which are able to take this risk compared to big ecosystems and start tweaking with that and experimenting with that on the market. And I think that the way in which we'll see that working in the future is somewhere in the middle in which um, startups that can take the risk are playing with these open economies, are playing with this open data where we see um, the benefits. And the solution can be even in hybrid in which sensitive data that is unique to the publisher and is important for them would be still safe on a centralized um, database that that would probably stay the case either way but parts of the database which has a, a stronger sense of ownership and a better opportunity for composability because publishers who want to integrate and build a bigger ecosystem will likely take place on the blockchain i think that we'll start seeing that gradually in which startup will will come first and the big publishers will go later in a hybrid mode. That's that's what I'm thinking. What a fascinating future it could be. Um, and you're right, the big publishers, uh, they have something to, to protect. For them, there are risks, significant risks, although they can mitigate them, as you mentioned, by adopting a hybrid solution there and only letting some things out of the bag. But for very small publishers, it's not a risk at all. The risk for them is running out of money. The risk for them is going out of business. The risk for them is failing, not getting enough attention, right? Not building, not growing or anything like that. And so doing anything that they can that they feel will actually help them uh, make a splash, get some attention, drive some users, players, whatever the case might be, is, is huge and impressive. If we arrive at a world in which some significant fraction of apps and some significant fraction of games are Web3 enabled and there's a blockchain behind there and there is a way that I can transfer or own in some meaningful sense some of the things 
in some contexts and apps to others. What a fascinating world we'll live in because I'm just thinking about traditional finance and 80s, 90s, 2000s, where you see like big, big hedge funds attack a country's currency, <laughs> bankrupt a, a country, right? You know, think of Greece back in the day or Venezuela or something like that. Could you have similar attacks on the economies of small apps and everything? Uh, it would be an interesting world, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and with much more efficient marketers, a, a, a efficient markets. So when being able to see everything with clear transparency, I, th I think that it goes for the benefits. Obviously, in commercial um, scenarios, you have companies wanting to keep some of the data for themselves. But with the ability to share some of that, it's both becoming more resilient for all sorts of attacks that you just mentioned, but it also gives the public more uh, more information in order to be able to analyze it and identify opportunities, both in financial markets and both uh, having business analysts identifying all sorts of opportunities with games and other cases as well. So I think that as we'll start seeing more of the data becomes open, decentralized, publicly available, we'll start seeing big opportunities beyond building ecosystem, but really with building more efficient markets in that sense. Well, Asaf, this has been super interesting. I want to thank you for your time. Um, I look forward to some of the fruits of the integration between Addressable and Singular. And uh, thank you for taking, uh, sharing some of your thoughts as to where this is going and what's going to happen. I do appreciate it. Thank you for having me, John.